0: Hello, podcasters. It's uh, Glenn Beck, along with Pat Gray, who's been filling in for uh, Stu, who is on vacation this week. And we got another great show for you. We uh, we started with the economy. How you feeling about the economy? Oh my gosh! Yeah,
1: that's a real pick me up. So confident <laughs> yeah. in the economy. Yeah, uh, we start with
0: explaining what's really going on with something that no one is talking about, uh, at least in real people terms. We have that uh, on today's program. Also, is the trade war affecting us or China? We have an expert on uh, who who was born and and went to school in Beijing, and has like way over schooled himself. But he's saying you don't understand. China is on the brink of disaster. That plus, do we talk to the we talk to the twelfth Imam today? I know we we talked about Elon Omar. The twelfth Imam may check in. On that, a couple of amazing stories on that front, plus global warming. The guy who actually proved the hockey stick was total garbage. Wait until you hear how they made that hockey stick, all on today's podcast. You're
1: listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program.
0: There is is a couple of things uh, that uh, you really need to be aware of uh, today, and I want to take you through them. If you'll give me 25 minutes today, uh, I promise you, you're going to get more out of those 25 minutes than anything else you can do today. Let me tell you about something that is happening with the banks and the Federal Reserve that Uh, Nobody is talking about. Yeah, they're talking about it on CNBC, but they're talking about it in a way that it doesn't matter to you. This matters a lot. On Tuesday. This week, the Federal Reserve announced that it would offer banks an overnight repo operation. Now, repo is Wall Street jargon for repurchase agreement. Now, when's the last time the Federal Reserve was repurchasing things from banks? Do you remember? It was TARP. It allowed the Federal Reserve to go in and buy, with your money, go and buy different assets that were failing. Now, repo is a mechanism for short-term, generally a one-day loan. This is something that the banks, um, they have to have a certain amount of cash in the bank overnight, and so sometimes they'll just put assets up for sale and they'll say, we need the money for the overnight, and then the next day they repurchase uh, the same asset back. Now, during the Tuesday repo operation, the Fed pledged $55 billion worth of funds available to the banks. And the banks could sell the Fed their assets. Now, they were selling mortgage-backed security uh, securities or U.S. Treasury bonds. And that way, the banks would have the cash. On Tuesday, the repo was oversubscribed by more than $5 billion. That means the bank showed up asking for cash, more cash than the Fed thought that they would even need and that number was out by $5 billion. And so they thought, okay, well, there might be a bigger problem here. So Wednesday, now remember, they haven't done this once in 10 years. They haven't done this since the collapse of the market. So the next day, Wednesday, they did it twice, or they did it a second time. This time they said, okay, we're going to come to the table with $75 billion. So if anybody needs money tonight, we'll, we have $75 billion. Well, this time, the banks showed up and they needed an additional $12 billion over the 75. Now, yesterday, the Fed chairman, Powell, he announced a quarter point cut in the, uh, in the interest rate. So he's lowering the interest rate, and we're going to have to get to that at some point. But he also said they'd do another round of repos last night for another $75 billion. So they haven't done this since 2008. They've done it now three days in a row. That tells you something is wrong. This is the first time since 2009 the Federal Reserve have stepped into the banking banking sector and offered cash Second, the amount is really significant. The banking sector just asked the Federal Reserve to inject $200 billion into the banks for just operating capital. That's what this is, is operating capital. Overnight lending is bank-to-bank, usually. And it runs a few billion dollars a day across the banking sector. So, you know, Bank of America can call J.P. Morgan and say, hey, can you just uh, can you just I want to swap some assets for some cash. Do you have some extra cash that you don't need tonight just to make sure that, you know, we're stable overnight. And usually it's bank to bank. This is the banks calling the other banks and the banks are like, I don't have any money. I'm going myself to the Fed. Now, the third reason the Fed stepped in here was to control the interest rates and ensure that the Fed's target interest rate of 2% was maintained. Now, since the banks lend money to each other all the time, Bank A needs some cash on hand to cover a given market position or to ensure it meets its cash reserve requirement set by the federal government or the Fed so, Bank B agrees to lend the money by purchasing the assets from Bank A with an agreement that Bank A will buy those same assets back at a future date, most likely in the morning, at the same price plus a fee. The banks do this all the time. And they do it at the Fed's interest rate, their target interest rate. As of yesterday, that was 1.75%. Now, the funny thing about the free market is the free market will tell you what's really going on. So what is the price of money right now with the banks? The Federal Reserve says it should be 1.75%. That's the interest that they would pay to borrow money. However, the interest rates at the bank due to the free market, where the banks were like, look, I don't have the money. How much more? How out of whack was the 1.75 set by the Fed? It was only off by 500%. They were asking 10% fees to loan to the other bank for sometimes 12 to 18 hours. So that's why the Fed stepped in, because they're like, whoa, 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 what is going on here? This is a sign that the banks are very risk-averse, much more risk-averse than the Fed thinks they should be. Now, if the hairs aren't standing up on the back of your neck yet, they should be. This sort of exercise is exactly what happened to Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns in 2007. But it's happening with now the only six banks that we have. The Fed stepping into the market to... Give more cash unannounced three days in a row screams something is very wrong. There is a massive lack of cash at hand. We're also already in a very loose and cheap money environment with. S- really super low interest rates and trillions in cash that has just been printed and injected in the market by the way of quantitative easing the fact that the banks need 75 billion dollars of extra cash every day day after day is a sign that something is dramatically wrong now here's what we don't know We don't know why the banks need this much liquidity this quickly. It could be that they just are covering short positions on bonds or energy derivatives that need to be covered given the recent spike in oil. Could be caused by Aramco. We don't know. It could be banks using capital in the short term to cover reserve requirements as part of a quarterly audit. Or it could be many of these banks have overseas investments in stocks and real estate and futures market that are now taking losses and they need cash to cover their margin calls overseas. The truth is, we won't know until the banks are audited sometime in the fourth quarter. Any time the Federal Reserve is stepping directly into markets to inject cash, Something has gone very wrong somewhere in the gears of this very complex machine that grinds our economy. One day, it could be administrative error or market timing of a set of bonds maturing and they need to be paid off or refinanced. Two days in a row indicates that it's a little more than that, probably covering some short or some, uh, dare I say it, I hate to even use this word, derivative position that many investment banks were in in the crumbling of 2008, and they're in again. But three days in a row? $75 billion a day of new cash needed by U.S. banks? This hasn't happened since the financial crisis. That's banks telling us something is wrong. It's probably more than just a warning sign, more... Like an exit sign, get off on this off-ramp. Now here's what's worse. Trump suggests that we need to move the interest rate to zero or negative. This is the worst possible thing we could do right now. It would fuel more speculation and give a bigger bubble on Wall Street It would also cause trillions of dollars that Europe is now sending our way. And they're putting it all in our stock market and our U.S. treasuries. If we move our interest rate to zero or negative, it would take all of that money and ship it back overseas into Europe and Asia and the Middle East. The more likely Fed response will be more bailouts overnight and nobody will talk about it without the formal quantitative easing. They just give this money to the banks. We are printing money to bail out the banks again. And the last time the banks were doing this to shore up their balance sheets was 2008. It was a warning sign then that we talked about and very few people recognized it as the time. I'm warning you again. Please recognize this warning signal this time around. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. So, uh, what do we do? Yeah, that's what Pat asked right when we, right when I went into the commercial, he just looked at me and went, and so then what? Um, I have been saying for a while, uh, get out of debt, pay your debt down, um reduce the footprint of your of your life um, we have another sign you know I talked to Mark Stanford, Sanford last night and Mark I, I got him on and I'm like why are you running dude what are you doing we are running against Elizabeth Warren and uh, we don't need a challenge right now mm-hmm. and I I appreciate him I really respect him I like him he was He was Cato's most conservative, fiscally conservative governor uh, in the United States. Um, He has stood for constitutional principles, and he has stood against the debt like crazy. However, can we not split the party? Mm -hmm. Because if we do, Elizabeth
1: Warren will be the next president of the United States. Almost every time uh, a sitting president is primaried, he loses the general election. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it weakens him, weakens him. Okay, so I talked to him yesterday. I had him on. I had
0: him on television last night. You should watch it if you're a member of the Blaze TV. Watch it. Um, uh, and I, I tried for the first eight minutes. I'm like, "What are you doing? Why would you do this?" I mean, is hmm. is trying to make a point? Is that more important than winning the election? Would you agree, Elizabeth Warren will be much worse. And he's like, oh, my gosh. He said, Glenn, I am going to vote for Donald Trump. And I'm like, then what are you doing? Right. And he said, and it took me about 15 minutes to really understand. And, and I think I really I think I believe him. I just don't think he should be running for president. He should do it another way. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, we must alert people. He said, no one in the Democratic Party, no one in the Republican Party, No one is even there hasn't been the word deficit, debt or economic catastrophe even mentioned by any of these guys. And he's like, Glenn, I am seeing the exact same signs of 2008 and we have to warn the American people. Now, I agree with him. I just wish he wouldn't be running against the president while doing it. Um, You know, and I talked to him and I said. You know, you you. I saw a headline in the in the um, New York Times: Donald Trump's uh, biggest nightmare or or uh, you know biggest foe, something like that. And I said it was about you know it's about you. Now I didn't get anywhere in that article about fiscal responsibility and a coming economic collapse. What I got was you are a big challenge to Donald Trump, and they're just using. I said, Mark, they will tear. If you were standing Mm. on the stage with 10 other Republicans, you might be the first one they tear apart. They're only holding you up to hurt Donald Trump. But he went into some stats, and again, we can't kill the messenger. Um, We can question how he's, you know, what horse he's riding in on to deliver this Pony Express. It's Um, the wrong horse. It's the wrong horse. It's the wrong horse. But we do have to talk about it. Um, there, is, uh, there are some other signs, not just this, but there are some other signs uh, that he went into that I've done my research, and it's actually worse than what he thought. And every time, every time this one number gets out of balance, it's our GDP to household wealth, every time that number gets way out of balance, uh we have a collapse we have a real financial downturn a big one uh for instance uh 2001 the gdp to household was like 400% that's way out of whack uh that means corporations are making much more than households are uh then in 2008 it was like 538 which percent which was way out of whack it's 11 hundred percent now GDP to household wealth never ever before wow. have we seen wow. this okay we didn't we had never seen 400 percent in 2001 we had never seen 500 percent at 2008 it's eleven hundred percent out of whack a mm. correction is coming and most likely a massive correction mm. so please. Be fiscally responsible, financially responsible, uh, and, uh, and prepare. Batten down the hatches. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. You want to talk about a guy who's done nothing with his life? Listen to this. Dr. Frank Z graduated from Peking University in Beijing, China, with a bachelor's degree in earth science. Then he was admitted to graduate school of Peking University to study geochemistry and cosmochemistry. He then attended Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. And he pursued a doctorate in chemistry in the mid-1980s. And then he continued to get an MBA in finance. Oh, and a PhD in marketing from the Robinson College of Business at Georgia State University. He's I, mean, I have no ambition. It's I mean, embarrassing. It really is. It's embarrassing. I went to Yale for a <clears throat> semester, and I'm a doctor. I have a doctorate. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I and I have, mean. A, I have a doctorate in humanities, <clears throat> which means I can treat any problem in the entire human body. No, is that what that means? That's what it oh, wow. pretty sure that's wow. what it means. Uh Dr. Z, how are you sir? I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm very good. So, I've been really concerned about the tariffs with China. I'm very concerned about the China 2020 and 2025 plan. Uh the things that they have been doing really since the year 2000 and none of us have been paying attention to. That's right. Uh they wow. they are uh, positioning themselves as a country of great strength, but I read an article from you this last weekend that says, "No, you think that they are about to collapse."
2: Yep, yep.
0: Tell me about it.
2: Well, the, we we know the the, the trade war that the so-called trade war is actually uh, President Trump's you know the, the action against China's unfair trade practice. You know have been have been ongoing for about two years now, one and a half years now. And it is working, as, uh, as I said, as you said. You know, it's working because, you know, it targets directly to the weak spot of the Chinese communist regime. They have been exploiting, you know, American, uh, American generosity, you know, and benefiting from trade with the U.S. with a huge surplus. And that is one thing. On the other hand, as you said in their uh, "Made in China 2020-2025" uh, program, is actually a state-sponsored, you know, uh, action to steal uh, technologies from the United States. It's not that China is trying to develop its own indigenous technology to develop its own economy. That that's fine, that's normal, right? right. That's what the, every country should be doing. But in, in Chinese case, the regime actually, you know, has a systematic way of stealing, you know, technologies from the U.S. and forcing U.S. companies, you know, to give them, to turn over the technology to them in exchange for market access.
0: Yeah, they have, they have, I mean, I think this is the biggest robbery in human history uh, that has been going on. They have been, they have been stealing technology and really uh, raping The United States and the rest of the world for this technology. But I have read that China is not in the position. We used to think China, well, they're never going to be able to make anything quality, and they've also not been able to um, uh, take that technology because they have a theft mentality, not a creation mentality, that they're not going to be able to uh, do anything on their own. And I've read recently. That that's not true. That they have they have improved many of the products and many of the things themselves, and are not in the same position as they were 20 years ago. Do you agree with that?
2: Uh, to a degree, I think they are they are making progress towards quality. You know, uh, uh, de- made made their products more durable, but uh, but still it still lacks the. The uh, precision and, uh, let's say, the, the long-term quality of American products or Japanese products. You
0: know. So we we have this trade war going on, and um, I'm very concerned what it's doing to our economy. But you say that this is almost suicidal uh, for the Chinese because while we can replace those products, you know, at a higher rate. They don't replace the products from from coming from America.
2: Uh, one, they I don't think they uh, we're paying a much higher rate. You know, maybe we can see slightly higher rate. You know, in the beginning, um, but in the long run, or even the midterm, midterm uh, run, you know, we'll see uh, the price not going to be rising on the rise. think as we have seen over the one and a half years, the, we haven't seen the inflation in this country yet. You know, we don't have, we don't see that. That's because in China, the, the made in China, this war factory, their, their wages, is, has gone up so fast, so so much now, because the Chinese government basically printed tons of money, mm-hmm. you know, lots of money to inflate the, uh, to inflate the currency mm-hmm. and, and making, the, making the economy look good and to stimulate the, the economy. But the people's wages are—they are actually the, the real actual wages—is going down. But on the surface, at least in Chinese currency, uh, RMB, Renminbi, you know, uh, they seem to be making more and it costs more. The, actually, the cost of labor is is increasing now. The China is not as competitive as the Vietnam or Bangladesh or India because uh, because of rising inflation over there. So in that term. Since those uh, war factories, you know, plants are actually relocating, the supply chain is moving to Vietnam, to Indonesia, India, or other countries, Southeast Asian countries. So the price that we can anticipate in this country, I don't think it's going to go up that much, for one. You're right. You're absolutely right. You know, we can buy things, you know, that can replace Chinese imports, but China cannot replace American imports they depend on us on um, some things that as high as those high tech uh, technologies, communication, computers, you know, satellite, airplane components, all those high tech stuff. Oh as well as the low tech stuff, you know, agriculture products. Nobody can produce, you know, so much soybeans or pork bellies or corns as cheap and as good as American farmers. And China needs that. You know the the, the pork price has gone up so much in China. Now people are really complaining.
0: Right, and they, they just released a huge amount of pork reserves that they had. I didn't even know people had pork on reserve, but they have freezers, you know, I don't know where, uh, yeah. thousands of them, and they had to release emergency pork reserves.
2: Right, but they call it the a strategic pork reserve. I think it's ridiculous, you know. You have strategic petroleum reserve, that's fine. But pork reserve... I mean, you can't storage that the poll for too long, right? I don't know the exact.
0: Well, I don't sure. know. I mean, I I'm hoping the United States has pudding reserves because if things go to hell in a handbasket, I still need my pudding. Um, <laughs> but that's a that's a different story. Um, their their um, banking sector is shady. Their uh, their GDP report is shady. I have always heard. That they can't survive under eight percent GDP, and they are around four, according to their own reporting.
2: Exactly, so, actually, that eight percent is is a false. I can tell you the the old Chinese economic numbers. You know, don't, you can't trust them. Okay, they so
0: so what does this mean if they are indeed this unstable? What does this mean? What is coming to China? What and how will that affect the rest of the world?
2: Well, if this is so unstable, it's because they falsify those numbers, including the correct GDP numbers, the, correct. the consumer price index, the CPI numbers, and uh, the bad debt numbers in banks. And they, they cannot sustain that anymore. And now with the, the the factories, the supply chains moving out of China, the unemployment is going up. And uh, we believe that there are tens of millions of people being out of job right now,
0: but isn't th- isn't this why they have the social credit scores? They work so hard to get that into place by twenty twenty because they're afraid of their own population, and they knew if they started to go unstable, they would have to have a way to control their populations, or there there might be a revolution.
2: Exactly, you are exactly absolutely right. Yeah, they are afraid of people. I think that's really the. It's the regime. It's not the Chinese people. It's the regime that's against its own people. They want to use this technology, you know, face recognitions, or you know, those AI technologies to monitor people. The social credit scores you have, you know, you if you are on their blacklist, if you are like a democracy activist or re- religious, you know, religious leaders or religious religious people, you know, people if a Falun Gong practitioners, it's underground Christians. Tibetans, you know, Uyghurs, you know, you cannot because they put on a social credit score on you, and in the system they can recognize you where you are on the street. You know, you that you cannot be, uh, you cannot freely buy, you know, airplane tickets or you know, high speed train, train tickets. So, so you're restricted.
0: So. Le- let me ask you this question, uh, and I'm running out of time, and and I thank you so much for your your comments today, um, but. Uh, If I have heard that even though Z is now um, in the Constitution as a ruler for life, that he is losing a lot of support support in the Communist Party because things are not going well with the economy and things in Hong Kong are getting out of hand. And he was the guy who said, I won't let any of this happen. Is there a chance that President Z is in trouble from a for a coup or anything like that?
2: Yeah, it's very likely. I think is that the power struggle is ongoing right now, and uh, those hardliners, you know, the Maoists, you know, the hardline, you know, communists, they are actually, you know, uh, putting a lot of pressure on him. You know, they accuse him of on, on the failure of the trade war and the problem situations in Hong Kong and the, the downwards by spiraling economy, and uh, there is a struggle there. I think the one only option for him is uh, if he has the guts like uh, Gorbachev, you know, or Yeltsin mm-hmm. in Russia. He should really abolish this uh, party mm-hmm. and uh, start over. But otherwise, this is the whole economy and the party itself, the regime, the communist rule, are all going down the drain as we, as we see it.
0: Dr. Frank Z, thank you so much. Professor of the University of uh, South Carolina. Uh, you can find his, uh, his article, China Faces Economic Collapse, Decoupling from World Markets. Uh, it is a fascinating read. Thank you very much, doctor. Appreciate it. And if that guy would get himself an education, yeah. imagine how good he'd be. You know <laughs> what I mean? Just spend a couple more years in school. It's too lazy. Obviously
1: uh, lazy. It'd
0: take me like 600 Sad. lifetimes to get all of that <laughs> education.
1: This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program.
0: Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. The uh, chief science advisor of the International Climate Science Coalition. Coalition would make you think that there's more than one scientist that disagrees with a global warming hysteria.
1: We know that's not true. There's
0: total total consensus on this. Apparently, except for this guy, uh, Dr. Timothy Ball. How are you, Doc?
3: You and, and and by the way, the use of the word consensus tells you that it's political. There's mm-hmm. nothing. There's no consensus in science, so that that's wrong. And and by the way, you mentioned Obama's waterfront property. You could argue that both he and Al Gore went around telling the world that sea level was going to rise, which lowered the price of waterfront <laughs> property, and they bought cheap. That's yeah, right.
1: It, it is. is. Gore bought in Malibu.
0: Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they got twelve years before we all die. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they, Uh, You know, I saw a story, uh, doctor, that there uh, that ran yesterday, I think, from the BBC that showed that uh, young people are having to go to now therapy sessions. They're they're starting these group therapy sessions for people who are saying, I don't know how to plan for my life because we only have 12 years to live. This is the most irresponsible and, quite honestly, evil thing that I have seen. You're freaking people out to the point Mm -hmm. to where they really, truly believe in 12 years we're all dead.
3: Yeah, and then you can add to that uh, that Greta Thunberg appearing before the UN yesterday. It's just uh, these are all examples of child abuse because when you start using children to push push your message, and particularly a scientific message, it shows you that it's not that it's uh, uh, inappropriate. It's purely political.
0: All right, uh, so let's t- let's talk about a couple of things because I'm very concerned about Barack Obama's uh oceanfront property in his island um (laughs) (laughs) i'm hoping that that island floats so it'll just go up and stay at the top of the glass but um have we seen the sea levels rise anything like predicted
3: no uh the, the the sea level rises are are perfectly normal well well within natural increase and, and, of course, the most dramatic rise occurred about 9,000 years ago when the uh, glaciers that had formed during the Ice Age, the majority of them melted, and that caused about a 450-foot increase in sea level in less than 5,000 years. Since, in the last 3,000 years, there has been a gradual, but very gradual, like 2 millimeters a year increase, but that's, again, because the world's continued to warm out of the last, last ice age.
0: Yeah, so when all those glaciers though melt in you know, Alaska and every place Greenland. else, Greenland. We're all dead.
3: <laughs> yeah, but but this is this is what, what they're doing. They're taking the volume of, of ice in those glaciers, uh, calculating how much water that is in volume, and then adding that to the current sea level. That does, that's not the way it works at all. Because um, as as the ice melts, um, well, first of all, at least three quarters of the ice in Greenland and Antarctica is already below sea level. So it won't change the level at all, and then ice mm. uh, ex- water expands when it uh, freezes by about seven percent so you can take another seven percent off of that
0: yeah, but you it can't costs. prove that yeah. with just a simple glass of water with ice in it
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, of course not. no no that's that, that's only something they would do in grade eight I mean come on right but, right right <laughs> yeah, but but, but uh, the, this is the, this is the simplistic things that they mm. do as I said just simply adding all that water to the current sea level and then putting it out there uh, people like al gore they they should be held uh, legally liable for the for the scientific lies that they're telling
0: i, I think for the lives that they are destroying as well mm-hmm. yep. i mean that people yep. are ju- this has become a religion uh yep. and it is frightening i don't know if you saw but nbc is now taking your climate sins you can confess your climate sins uh, to NBC. For some reason, you would think that they're the high priest of this, but uh, I find this amazing.
3: If if I went on there and said my sin is that I don't believe that humans are causing climate change, is that a sin?
0: <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it course. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, mean, I believe that the climate is changing uh, uh, from anything that I can read. I don't know if I buy into uh all of the uh all of the numbers because the the numbers the way they have placed these weather stations is ridiculous some of them are on roofs some of them are in parking lots they don't have any in the mountains if i'm not mistaken i mean how do you know
3: well we don't know and and of course uh, if you look at uh all of their predictions are all based upon computer models that are built on inadequate data. So the problem starts even with the data to build the computer models on. Then when you run the computer models, they make predictions. Well, the computer model is designed so that if you increase CO2, the temperature will go up. But that doesn't happen in nature. In all the records we have, temperature increases before CO2. So it's not surprising that if you... If you program or ask the computer what happens if I, if uh, the temp- or CO2 goes up, they say, oh, the temperature goes up. But that's not the reality. And if you look at every single forecast with every computer model that's been made by the U.N. since 1990, every single one of them has been wrong. I mean, these are people that can't even forecast the weather for five days, and yet they're telling you they know with, with absolute certainty what's going to happen nine, uh, 50 and 100 years from now.
0: Do you think we ever learn from the past? I mean, they've been doing this since the 1970s, and Paul Ehrlich, who is still some reason or another considered an expert on this, they've been wrong every time. When does this end? When do people finally say, you know, I think I'm being used?
3: Yeah, well, of course, Ehrlich uh, created the first Earth Day, and he did it on April the, the 22nd in 1972. Well, April 22nd happens to be Lenin's birthday, and that should tell you everything about what, what's going on here. If you if you want to push uh, and demand or force a world government, all you've got to do is find something that threatens the whole globe and say, look, no one nation can deal with it. Therefore, we need a global government to deal with it. That's what's going on and and And, as I said, Ehrlich is still out there, and despite as as you said, all of the predictions he made on that original Earth day in nineteen seventy two every one of them has been wrong and in fact if you if you go down all of the items like desertification, deforestation um all the way down the list, there's simply no evidence or data to support any of them. I've I've gone through every single one. In fact, I'm writing a book uh, that I hope to get out soon where I take all of these issues and say, well, where's your data? There is no data.
0: Tell me about about the data of a hockey stick, because you proved that the hockey stick was bogus. The guy took you to court and then wouldn't produce any data to be able to defend it. And you said, well, if it's bogus, I have to show you where your data is wrong. So produce the data. The judge threw the case out.
3: Yeah, well, what happened was, and, and I, had, I had three lawsuits, by the way, and, of course, that raises questions about why why am I picked out, and the answer is because I'm qualified. And they can't say I'm not qualified, and also I, I can explain it in ways people can understand. But in answer to your question... In the first IPCC report in 1990, there was a graph drawn by a a gentleman I had the privilege of working with by the name of Hubert Lamb, and what it showed was a, a warm period around 1000 AD that was warmer than it is today, and then the temperature declined down to 1680 when it was much colder than it is today, and then it's been warming since that time. Now that, of course, uh, that warm period a thousand years ago contradicted what they were saying. They were saying that oh, the world's warmer than it's ever been, and people like me were saying, well, what, what about this diagram? What about these, this all this data, and and all the research that shows it was actually much warmer a thousand years ago. And so, um, and and prof- a, a professor by the name of David Deming. He said, I, "I got an email from somebody pushing the false global warming thing, and said we've got to get rid of that medieval warm period. So they literally rewrote history. The hockey stick was a deliberate creation using a couple of tree ring uh, records, which uh, were we were we're told not to use, that showed that there was no temperature increase for uh, for about a thousand years, and then suddenly a dramatic upturn." The blade of the hockey stick in the 20th century, and of course that uh, that diagram, just just the picture of it, set uh, stuck in people's minds like uh-huh. symbolism of it. Oh, look, dramatic warming in the 20th century. This is proof humans are causing it. The whole hockey stick was false. And by the way, just just to show you how false it was, the the the, 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 the handle of the hockey stick is tree rings. The blade is, is instrumental records. You never, ever in science put two uh, lines on a graph, wow. completely different sources of information. Oh, that's wow. amazing. Wow, I didn't
0: even know that. Uh, I didn't wow, that's fascinating. So we're talking to uh, uh, Dr. Timothy Ball. He's an environmental consultant, policy advisor of the Heartland Institute. Uh, and uh, he's also a former climatology professor at the University of um, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. You say there's a connection between global warming and eugenics. What is it?
3: Well, the, the, uh, this has always been a debate that's going on is the extent to which humans and human behavior uh, is controlled by the environment um the 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 whole idea that we have a free will and we're independent of of environmental pressures and and so on has has long been a, a debate the reality the reality is there's a philosophical contradiction in the academic world between uh saying that uh, on the one hand that we're just another animal and on the other hand that we're completely independent of nature and and and, and uh, are not controlled by it at all and so that that's uh, of course uh, what what this is all about and 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 of course eugenics that is the uh, the uh, way that people are born the number of people or number of children that people have and so on are are all uh, for humans for the most part just like all animals environmentally dictated
1: doctor i i want to ask about um What to ask about the ice melt that they talk about all the time, that the Arctic ice has melted, uh, you know, a certain percent more than it ever has before in history. Uh, We've got more frequent uh, tornadoes than we've ever had fires than we've ever had floods than we've ever had. How do you respond to all that?
3: Well, first of all, the, the glaciers uh, are melting and they've been melting for the last 18,000 years uh, c- mm. because we're coming out of an ice age. The argument that the number of, of hurricanes, tornadoes and all the rest of it have increased is consistently shown to be wrong. There was a study just came out to, about a week ago and, and showing that the number of hurricanes has in fact decreased. You see this right. the same thing with the, with the uh, fires in the Amazon. There, there were less fires over the last 30 years. Than they had in the previous hundred years, mm-hmm. uh, but but that's not what you're being told. They no. want to uh, they they want to uh, play up that th- this is part of the global warming issue. But also added to that, of course, is that Bolsonaro, the, the uh, president of Argentina, is is uh, not buying into the climate nonsense. So it's mm-hmm. an attack on him, an attack on the whole idea in general. So uh, the, what's going on in the world right now? is well within any long-term natural variability. And if I tell you, they keep saying, oh, we're going to get two degrees warmer, and that's going to be the end of the world. For the last 10,000 years, it has been two degrees warmer than today for 9,000 of them. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you see, this is what you do with climate. You just pick Mm -hmm. a period of record that proves what you want it to prove.
1: They're really right? good so at that you, though. They're really really good at that.
3: Oh yeah, it's called cherry picking. And and uh, and of course this this so what I've just done is say give you the record uh, a temperature record uh, over the last 10,000 years and it completely
0: dispels uh, what they're saying for the last 1,000 years. So but wait a minute. Why I, I think what everybody is wondering uh, right now is why do you hate polar bears so much? <laughs> I mean, they're on the ice shelf. They're ready to die. The poor little ice yeah. is, is about to flip over, and they're going to drown. Yeah. And the babies, yeah, the I babies, pol- polar bears, are going to yeah. drown.
1: Yeah. That's even yeah. more heart-wrenching.
3: Well, polar bears won't drown, and the reason they won't, and by the way, I know this because they spent five years of search and rescue in the Arctic, so I'm very familiar with polar bears, but they've got two levels of, of fur. They've got a, a very short fur. For close to the skin, hmm. which is an in- incredibly effective uh, insulator, to the point where I worked with scientists that were taking infrared po- photographs of polar bears, and they don't show up on the photograph because
0: wow. they don't really—they
3: don't give out any heat.
0: That's one know? sweet and, jacket. Yeah. Think of that—a polar bear jacket. That'd be great. Anyway,
3: yeah, and, <laughs> and and the longer hair is hollow, so they float. It floats.
0: They can the swim. You
3: see it yeah they can swim extremely well in fact <laughs> yeah. i've i've I personally have seen polar bears 80 miles offshore yeah but i no have to tell you but
0: okay yeah whatever but mm. that i mean they have moved down into canada because they're just trying to find food find food they're they're going mm-hmm. away from their natural mm-hmm. arctic mm-hmm. you know location hunting grounds yeah
1: because there's no seals for them to eat up there anymore because right. the ice is so melting so they're coming down <laughs>
3: But and of course in, in, in once, once the ice goes out in the summertime there is no, there are no seals for them to eat, so they move on the land and they 're very very good foragers they They survive extremely well on the land uh, and you could you could go up around Churchill and see them on the land where they they come ashore and, and have their their young when they 're on land so all of these things are taken out of context and and simply are are, are false. The polar bear numbers and I work with um uh, with a couple of the people. Uh, yeah. uh, her name's, skip my name, uh, Crockford, Susan Crawford. Oh, yeah. She's the world expert on polar bears. Yeah. And she she's telling me that, and I know this, that the polar bear numbers in, in most of the herds are increasing. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dr. Timothy Ball. The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand.